Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Well, now's the time. Now's the time for that which you've been prepared for, that which you've been readying yourself for. It's time now to buckle up. It's time now to get ready. It's time now to move forward with your faith. Don't be caught in a, in a defensive position. Get in an offensive position and go in and possess not only that which belongs to you by covenant right, but that which I am releasing by my grace upon the earth for my end time church. So rejoice and live in joy and in happiness, knowing that the hand of your Father and the power of the Word of God and the ability of the Spirit of God is working in you, through you, and for you to make sure that there's a way where there seems to be no way, to make sure you have all of your needs supplied, and to make sure you're able to walk in the health and wealth of God in which the health and wealth of the world is vanishing quickly in your midst. So stand and rejoice and know that you're called for such a time as this. You're readied, battle-hardened, and able to go in and see the victory and the harvest that belongs unto the church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Well, I'm ready. Amen. I tell you, the devil's defeated and Jesus is Lord. No matter what he brings upon this earth, no matter what happens, we are still God's covenant children. Amen. And God is still on the throne. Jesus is still seated at his right hand. The Spirit of God is still in you and upon you and the Word of God dwells in you richly. And just like in the book of Acts, the Word of God is growing and prevailing. Praise God. You may be seated. God is so good. Thank you, praise team. What a wonderful time of worship and praise today. Give them a hand clap. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, quickly we took a little time out to celebrate Easter and teach on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Before that, we were studying some spiritual things about the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God that abides and empowers in the light of Easter and what God has done for us in Christ and in the light of what we need to know about the Holy Ghost and its operations in our life. Now, let me just say this. This is the day and hour for you to get closer to God than you ever have been before. If you're not, you're making a mistake. Let me say that again. If you're not, you're making a mistake. Lee and I have scheduled meetings overseas and expanded our own traveling ministry, things we're doing here at the church. We're going to have an awesome fall harvest this year. We're going to, we're going to uh, bring in uh, uh, Eddie Turner for Sunday morning, Pastor Eddie Turner and Amanda going to come for Sunday morning and kick it off. Then for three nights, for three nights, we're going to have Christopher along. Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday. And Wednesday night, we're going to wind it all up with Brother Joe Morris in a big prophetic meeting that night with Brother Joe as he teaches on end times. Actually, he's been teaching on gifts of the Spirit too lately and have been, have been, they've been having some powerful services. So these things are happening. we got some things planned for the summer. We're going to do maybe, uh, uh, we're not going to do maybe, we're going to do it. We're going to do a financial thing, teach on getting out of debt and prosperity on probably a Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night where we can really get in there and get really uh, what I call fine-tuned. Sometimes there are things you've got to fine-tune yourself in so they'll work in a more effective way in your life. 
Prosperity is one. Number one, we all need to be out of debt. Who ought to get a better amen than that? I mean, we all need to be out of debt. Number two, we don't need to be living on the government. You say, well, because the government's failing. Amen. Number three, everything that they're doing in the world system has to be countered by our faith. You say, why is that? It's because if you don't, it'll drag you down with it. But I guarantee you, God has provision for the church in these last days. It's going to blow people's minds. Amen. Now, in studying what we did in last week, we studied on Friday night the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and its significance to us. Thank God that God, through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, died upon the cross. Because on the cross, he accumulated all that was wrong with humanity. You know, in order to overcome death, you have to defeat everything that causes it. Now, let me try that again. In order to overcome death, you have to defeat everything that causes it. Well, what's the number one cause of death? Spiritual separation from God. Jesus overcame that on the cross. That's why he said, you must be born again. Amen. You know what kills millions of people every year? Poverty. Ought to get a better amen than that. We're not near as acquainted with that as some people are. But I'm telling you, I've traveled the third world nations of this world. And I've been in places where I've thought, oh my God, how do these people live from day to day? How do they exist? I've been in places that broke my heart and I sat and wept when I looked at the plight of the people. Thank God we live where we live, but I'm telling you the days ahead are going to be daunting as we stand and believe God to be free from that wicked demon of poverty that's trying to get its hands on the entire world right now. Why, just a few enjoy just this, this amazing amount of riches that they should be distributing to the world to help people. Listen, money is not a God. Man has made it that. Money is not power. Man is the one that's given power to the money. But thank God God is greater than that. And in the midst of all of that, that power of poverty is broken over the church. And I guarantee you, nobody's going to starve to death at Island Church. And nobody's going to starve to death in any of the nations we're connected to because we're going to believe God. Amen. Oh, thank God I got a report from Christopher Alon this week. He's been able to send, and we've been a big part of that, over $152,000 into Ukraine to help the seven churches that he's helping over in Ukraine right now. Isn't that awesome? He's got churches over there that are evacuating people, other churches that are feeding people. He's got churches over there that are doing all kinds of things to just bless and help. Thank God we get to be a part of that. Amen. I mean, we're doing something. We're not just watching the news and saying, oh, no, we're doing something. Now, Jesus died. He assumed, accumulated all that was wrong with us. Death is separation. Always remember, when you hear the word death as relating to the human experience, it means separation. We talked about the three types of death. How first spiritual death came. Man sinned in the garden, became separated from God. He lived in that condition for hundreds of years. Then he died physically. Upon his physical death, he went into a place of eternal separation from God. Hell, Hades, Sheol, whatever you want to call it, that's where he went. Thank God when Jesus died on the cross, he accumulated everything. Our sin, our iniquity, the motivation to sin, those, those cost death, amen. Sickness and disease, if you're dealing with a disease, just tell yourself, I'm not living with you. You know, there are ways you can talk to diseases. I mean, I've talked to them in my body. I used to, uh, one of them, I, was, I fought one of them for about a five or six. I used to tell it this, you're trespassing in my body. You're trespassing. What are you doing? There's a trespass, no trespassing sign up on my body. Well, give me a tattoo right here. It says no trespassing. No, I'm not. <laughs> 
Amen. But I ought to. No trespassing. Everybody say, no trespassing. He took that. The fear. How many people a year die of fear? A lot. Depression. All those times. Jesus took it all. Thank God he took it all. And he died with it, which created a separation from it in our covenant. Hallelujah. Then he did something amazing. He rose from the dead. Now, other people have rose from the dead. Amen? But nobody liked Jesus. You say, why? Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he had already taken the power of death, hell, and the grave. Now we have this entity standing upon the earth outside of the grave, outside of the tomb, saying, I'm risen, I'm risen. I'm... Listen, you talk, you talk about a message to a fallen race. That's the word. One of us. You say, what do you mean one of us? One of us. A human being went into the grave overcame everything that produces death, hell, and the grave, died, took our punishment, and then was justified and raised from the dead for us, did it all for us. Now, Romans chapter 9, I, I, I encourage you. Now, let, let me say this real quick. I invite you to be sure and come to prayer uh, uh, Wednesday night and Thursday night. Glory to God, our prayer meetings are, are getting strong. We just really need you praying. Secondly, let me say this. I have begun, it was just an introduction this Wednesday night, but I have begun what I call a Bible school grade teaching on redemption on Wednesday nights. We're going to go through everything from creation till the, till the end of the age. We're going to go through what happened from the cross to the throne, types and shadows of the old covenant, what happened in the garden. Every, listen, we're just going, we're going, I've taught this subject for, for 39 years and I've lived it and no other subject in the Bible has helped me more than redemption. You say, well, what about faith? You've got to have faith in order to get redemption to operate. But if you don't understand why your faith operates, that's why you need redemptive teaching. So understand why you have to have faith and why you have to operate in it. You will discover who you are. Everybody say, who I am. What you have. Everybody say, what I have. And what you can do in Christ. God wants you to know that. He wants you to be an overcoming, victorious, not just a representation, but an exact replica of Christ walking upon the earth in all that you say and do. That's what he wants. Now, in this great drama that was played out in a portion of time, over 2,000 years ago, all of the elements of redemption that took place, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, his appearing back upon the earth, his ascension into heaven. But remember this, when he ascended into heaven, he also came back down to the earth and revealed himself for 50-something days to over 500 people upon the earth. When Jesus died on the cross, there were supernatural events that manifested in the natural. The, the, the sun refused to shine. The Bible says darkness was upon the face of the whole earth. Well, there was not a, there was not a solar eclipse because uh, the Passover always takes place on new moon. So no solar eclipse took place. And if the Bible says darkness was upon the face of the earth, darkness was on the face of the earth. 
The earth shook and groaned and reeled under the, under the, under the awesome, awesome power that was being released by the enemy attacking God himself and Jesus dying for our sins. The earth literally shook and the graves of men and women after the resurrection opened up and literally some of the saints of God were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem. You said, how in the world did that happen? That was those that were down in paradise. They were on their way to heaven. They just stopped for a quick visit in Jerusalem. That's what happened. That's what happened. People knew there was a resurrection because those Old Testament saints were walking around in Jerusalem and said, <laughs> we're on our way to heaven. Amen. But in that drama, and we see in that drama, and I'm using this kind of as a, as a, as a, as a place to kind of kick off some teaching on some spiritual things, spiritual gifts, operations and working of the Spirit in our everyday life, things like that. But there's a reason they can operate and they can operate with proficiency and accuracy in our life. And that's what we're going to talk about right here. Now, Jesus appeared outside the tomb after he had been resurrected from the dead. Mary of Magdalene was there. You know the story in John chapter 20. Now, the, 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 the interaction, the conversation between the two revealed something very powerful. Number one, Jesus said to Mary, touch me not. Once, once she... Uh, Realized who it was. I, I could see her reaching out to embrace him. And she said, no, no, touch me not. I can see him take a step back. Touch me not. Now he says this. He qualifies it. I have not yet ascended. Which means that Jesus was in a transition from hell to paradise to the earth to heaven. Now he shows us in illustration that that resurrection power affected hell, paradise, the earth, and heaven. So he tells, he tells Mary Magdalene, don't touch me. Now, why did he say that? Because another event, not the last event, but one of the most important events had not taken place yet. He had not ascended, and he had not poured his blood upon the mercy seat. Now, the significance of that is this, and I know that we're all just, you know, we're Heinz 57s. People say, well, I'm this and I'm that. No, most of us are not purebred anything unless I know we have some probably maybe some, some Asian blood or some Hispanic blood or some African blood that may be pure, but the rest of us are Heinz 57s. <laughs> and really none of us that I know of are Jewish, so our understanding of this is very limited. Amen. But see, now their understanding was not very limited. Their understanding was according to the covenant that they had in Christ and that they had lived in for almost 3,200 3, years. They understood through re the repetition of the sacrifice of all. Could you imagine how many lambs were slaughtered in Israel under that covenant? Why, why, why during Solomon's, when they were dedicating Solomon's temple, there were an innumerable amount. I mean, they just, they slaughtered lambs till the blood ran in the streets. Now, the reason they were doing that is they were rehearsing a drama. They were going into a temple. They were offering the blood of bulls and goats upon a mercy seat. And it was providing temporary, uh, the best way to understand it, they were literally going in there and operating on the credit card they had in that old covenant. And their sins were being atoned. Everybody saying atoned. There was an atonement being made every time the blood was put on the mercy seat. An atonement was being made for the sins of the nation of Israel and they lived under that atonement for another year. Amen? Now the problem with that 
it was the blood of bulls and goats, which cannot bring the purifying of the heart of men or it cannot change the conscience, the spirit, or the lifestyle of men and women. Amen. But what it was doing, every time it was, every time they slaughtered those lambs, they cut their throats, the blood would flow. You can imagine what that was. That was probably horrible. Amen. I mean, it's very violent, very bloody. You're like, what is all this blood? What is all this? This is just crazy. Well, what they were doing is they were rehearsing an event over and over and over from the tabernacle all the way until the temple was built, over and over the lambs, the bulls, the goats, the lambs, the bulls. And you can go through all the different blood sacrifices and see what they meant. But they were all leading to or trying to get people to focus on this is going to happen one day in heaven. One day in heaven, there's going to be a cleansing of the temple. Not the temple made with the hands of man, but the temple made by the word of God, which is what? Your physical body. We have this treasure, amen, in earthen vessels. But the temple was fouled. The temple was filthy. The temple needed to be cleansed, but it could not be cleansed by the blood of bulls and goats. That was only an atonement, and in the promise of our covenant was a remission. Think of atonement like a covering. You pull it back, it's still there. Remission is the eradication. Not only the removing of it. Now listen, the removing of the remembrance of it, not in your mind, but in God's mind. That's why you shouldn't talk about your past. God doesn't know you after your past. He only knows you from the cross and the day you got born again till today. But listen, this is an event right now, right here, where if you have, listen, if you've got problems living holy, let me try that again. If you've got problems, listen, I know what it's like to live holy and to live holy afraid. When I was a kid, they preached so much about, you know, all the bad things that happened to you if you do this and that. I remember my sister was the first one in our family to go to a movie. Our church taught her gets going to movies. She went to see The Sound of Music with my grandparents. She was probably 10 years old. Remember that, Alan? We thought, you're going to hell! <laughs> Burning forever! <laughs> we let her know it too, you know. Nice brothers like me and Uncle Al, you know. But we did. I mean, you know, I remember hearing one preacher say, I'm telling you, if you're sitting in an old movie theater when Jesus comes back, he's not coming in there to get you. I'm like, I ain't going in there, man. <laughs> so I tried to live holy based on fear. That doesn't work. You've got to do it based on faith. And when you begin to see these dramas and the, these events that God himself was involved in, especially in that in pouring out his own blood upon the mercy seat, my God, it helps you to get rid of all the filth and the garbage of your life because you know you serve a holy God and the pleasure that you need in your life does not come from your flesh or your soul. It comes from your heart because you know that you're one with him. Now, let me, let me read my scripture. Glory to God. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. I love when God lets me preach on this. This is just so good because it has such an effect upon my life. Look at verse uh, look at verse 8. I don't have time to do the whole chapter. Just look at verse 8. The Holy Ghost, this signifying 
that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. Now notice, which was a figure, which was a type, which was a shadow. Now let me say this because I listen. We want to love people. We want to help people. We want to be a blessing to people. But I have a responsibility as a pastor. And a lot of times people, you know, pastors a lot of times, well, you can't say anything negative about anybody or anything. Well, I'm not like that. <laughs> I see something bad. I like to call it out and tell you not to get involved with it. But let me just tell you this right now. You don't need a prayer cloth to pray with a big star of David on the back. I think it's beautiful. I love the star of David. You don't need a menorah. Well, I guess we need to teach on these things. Amen. You don't need to follow the feast days. Amen. You don't need to, the, the law of the Sabbath. Listen, we have entered into a Sabbath. Every day is a Sabbath for you. Every day is a jubilee for you. You're in a new covenant based on better. Why are you going to go back to that old covenant and try to rehearse that what they did when they didn't get what they wanted out of it? You say, why are you saying that? Because there's all kinds of churches and people rising up that if you don't have a menorah, if you don't blow in the shofar, all that kind of stuff, that's craziness. Why don't you get filled with the Holy Ghost and see what the Spirit of God can do? Well, it's just kind of symbolic. Let me tell you something. You cannot afford to compromise any part of your covenant. And you go read the Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he rejected everything under Jewish law in order to walk in the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Yes, it cost him a lot of beatings. It cost him to be stoned. It cost all kinds of problems in his life. But thank God, he ministered to us through the letters to the church a freedom. And he said in three different books, do not observe. Do not observe. Do not observe. He spoke directly to the Judaizers who are trying to keep them out of their covenant. And I see it today. I have a couple of friends that were, that were friends that just drifted off into that. And now if you're not, you know, praying with a prayer cloth and, and doing this and keeping this feast day and doing Listen, church, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Amen. Amen. Why, what did, what did Peter say? Why, why put in bondage? Why put them into bondage of that which we couldn't even walk in ourselves? No, that's what Gamaliel said when he was trying to, when trying to address Peter and the miracle that was done in the name of Jesus. Why would we put them in bondage of things we couldn't even walk in ourselves? Well, I don't know who that was for, but it was good anyway. Amen. But now notice this. Oh, this is good. This backs it up. Which was a figure. It was just a figure. It was just a figure. For the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make, that could not make, that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to conscience or lifestyle or his spirit on the inside. So if they could not get it with that, what makes you think you could go back to it and get it? You got, you got to have faith in Jesus, faith in the blood, faith in his redemptive work. That's what he's telling us right here. Which stands only in meats and drinks, diverse washings, carnal ordinances, imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. I love these two words, for us. Now notice. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling to, uh, sprinkling to the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the, f- purifying of the flesh. Notice this. How much 
more shall the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience, your lifestyle, your spirit man. Now notice, from what? Dead works to serve the living God. He is not talking about sin. What's the name of the book? The letter to the Hebrews, I believe the Apostle Paul wrote it. Whether he dictated it to Timmy, Timothy or Philemon or somebody like that, I don't know. But a man of God who I considered a prophet, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, asked Jesus in a vision, who wrote the book of Hebrews? He said, Paul. And if you study the, study the letters to the church, you see that it sounds just like him. So he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew everything about the law. But this one event of Jesus entering in, now listen to this. You talk about holy. You talk about holiness. Think about heaven, what it was, heaven must have been like for three days and three nights when Jesus suffered in the bowels of this earth. You can imagine what paradise must have been like as they see Jesus bypass them and go into a place of punishment. Why are they punishing him? Well, because he's got your sin. Amen. He took your punishment. But then he rose from the dead. And then he, then, he, then he stepped out onto the earth. He spoiled principalities and powers. He defeated the entire demonic realm. He defeated Satan himself. And, and one translation says he, he paraded him bound in downtown eternity for all eternity to see. So he's eternally defeated. Eternally defeated. But then he appeared on the earth to Mary Magdalene and said, don't touch me, don't touch me. I need to ascend. Could you imagine what that ascension must have been like as he gathered those Old Testament saints and they entered into heaven? Oh, my goodness. I bet David danced before the Lord with all of his might, that Jeremiah was weeping and weeping, and he was a weeping prophet, amen, that Isaiah was prophesying with fire, that Elijah and Elijah and Moses, and could you imagine what it was like for them leaving paradise, which is nice, but to actually go into the third heaven, which was their reward for believing God and dying in faith, even though they had not received the promise? man you talk about awesome and off they come they go into heaven and as they proceed down the main street toward the, the holy temple of God himself could you imagine what that must have been like as Jesus bore in his hands I don't know what kind of bowl or what he had but he had his blood the thing that pulsed in his veins when he was alive upon the earth, which gave him legal license to be here, which identified him with humanity, which gave him the right to assume our sin, our sickness, and our pain. Amen? Which when he rose from the dead, that same blood became what? It became the blood of our covenant and the blood of God himself poured on the mercy seat of God himself in the throne room of God. How can you say God doesn't know you? My goodness, look what he's gone through to get, get you into his life. Don't reject him in your life. What a holy, awesome time. And he poured that blood, that precious blood upon the mercy seat of God, which is there to this day glistening, beautiful, still wet, still working, still means everything, still carries that great power. And when he poured that blood on the mercy seat, the father looked and smiled and said, now everyone that comes through you is now my very own child. My son, my daughter, who I will treat like a son or daughter. I'll treat them like a son and daughter as if I had them in heaven. I'll give them a little bit of heaven on the earth. Yeah. I remember some of those old heaven, heaven on earth camp meetings. 
I don't know if you've ever been to any of them. Boy, they were awesome. They were heaven on earth. Amen? But you've got to understand something, church. In the light of sin, the light that came to dispel the darkness of sin and unrighteousness, and the iniquity that was in man's, man that was eradicated by that blood poured on the mercy seat and that work upon the cross. Let me say something, church. When you get a revelation of that, it's easy to put sin away. Because in the light of holiness and righteousness, darkness is easy to see what it is, and it's easy to put it away. Now, let me close with this, and we'll, we'll, we'll pick this up next week. I'm saying this, or showing you this in the Word, to help you understand this physical, here, I'm going to take off my coat. I can't do that with my flesh. I can't take off my flesh. My flesh, my spirit, and my soul are bound together in one unit right here. This, this body, my body has been on the earth for 66 years now. This body is aging. This body is getting older. This body is going the way of all mankind. But on the inside of me, there's a life not unique to the human family. It's the life of God. It's on the inside of every, every one of you. And the reason it's on the inside of every one of you is God viewed you as a temple worthy of being possessed. Let me try that again. You've got to understand, if you really want to get into this, you go study the building of the temple, the gold. David gave close to $9 billion in gold and all of his mighty men matched all of that. And then all the wealth that Solomon had, everything was solid gold. Everything was the, the wealth that the world had built the temple. Nothing was more glorious. Nothing was more awesome on this planet than Solomon's temple. It's gardens, it's gold, it's, it's order, everything that went on. The Shekinah glory of God was there. And God was showing us, this is what I think about my child, about human beings upon the earth. I don't want that Shekinah glory. I don't want that spirit in a, in a building with a bunch of cold stone. I want it in flesh and blood, in a building made without hands. I want it in my children. I want it in my sons and my daughters. I want my spirit to abide. But there's got to be a cleansing. There has to be a cleansing. And in order for there to be a cleansing, there has to be blood. And for order to be a blood, there has to be a body because it takes a body to produce the blood. So the blood came through the body and the body was offered and we were all cleansed. Now God has the legal right to live in your human body by the cleansing of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not hard to live holy when you're aware of God on the inside of you at all times. And you're not aware of that by feeling because we do not live in a covenant of feelings. We live in a covenant of faith. You're aware at all times by the knowledge of the Word of God and the faith of... Listen, I've had many times in my life where I thought, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And God would say to me, no, you're not. And I would say, well, why not? And he said, because you don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to me and I'm not going to let you do it. Yeah. But think about that. Not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood. He entered in what? Once. Into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption. I like one translation that says it like this. For every man. That means, the word means mankind. For all of mankind. There's no geographical place on the, on the planet. We say, well, people can't get saved there. Yes, they can. There's no hard places. There's only hard people. Religion and tradition, they fight it. They try to tell us there's some other way, but there's no way, church, other than the blood of Jesus. 
because it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. It's the blood of Jesus that has allowed the entrance of the Spirit of God to not only live on the inside of you, but to empower you. It's the blood of Jesus that established the new covenant. It's the blood of Jesus that purchased the church. Well, I don't really think it's, it's, the church is that important. My God, he purchased it with his blood. Yes. I was in a, in a gun store one time and a guy was... Uh, actually, the store owner introduced me to this guy, and he was, you know, he had a big cigar, and he, uh, he was about half drunk, and he, he said, this is, this is Reverend Rusty Martin. He says, a reverend? I said, yeah. He said, you pastor a church? I said, I do. He said, well, my church is out in the marsh in the duck blind. My, my church is in my deer blind. Alpamama. I thought to myself, okay, I'm standing there, and all these people are listening. And I knew this guy was, he was, he was uh, militant. Then he started talking about how he'd been kicked out of every church he'd been part of. I thought, yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> and I'm sitting there groping for something in my mind thinking, oh my God, how am I going to respond to this guy? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. There were about 15 people in there that day and he was talking loud enough for everybody to hear it. So I figured, you know, I can do the same thing. I got a loud mouth. <laughs> so you know what I said? I, it's amazing because I just kind of stopped for a minute and I kept thinking, oh, I got nothing to say and it just came up out of me. I said, you know, I love sitting in my duck blind. I love sitting in my Dear Blind, I said, you know, it's wonderful. Creation is so beautiful. And all these wonderful animals that we get to, you know, we get to help raise them up and then we get to harvest them and eat them and all that. I mean, it's just part of nature and all that God's doing. I said, but you know, the thing about it is my lease and my duck blind, none of that, none of that was purchased by the blood. But the church was purchased by the blood. You could have heard a pin drop in that place. You say, why? Well, you can call anything else your church, but it ain't. It ain't your church. The church is the church. And the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus. That's why church should be very important to you. Church should be very valuable to you. And that is one of the reasons you should try to live very holy and very righteous, not only so that you can develop your own faith, but that you could have the spirit of faith that comes along with the church. Listen, I'd like to say, I hope in some way I inspire your faith to do something crazy. You say, why? Because I've lived like that all of my life serving God. I don't care. God says, you got to go to Africa next week and have a crusade going to cost you a million dollars. I know I'm going to have a million dollars next week and go preach that crusade. You say, what do you mean? God wants you in his hand to the point that he is under total control of your life because he knows how much death is on this earth. And everything he can do to keep you out of that death, he has done through the shedding and the offering of his blood. Now let me close with this. Last week, Easter time, we celebrated Jesus. He began what I would call the process of redemption. Of course, we know that began back when God spoke in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman should bruise the head of the serpent. We know that that started a process, but the process, the, the actual dying, being taken, the, uh, the priesthood took him. The only people qualified that could legally offer lambs was who? The people that offered up Jesus. That's the only people that legally could do it on the earth, and they did. They offered up Jesus. But in the midst of all that, we've got to realize he's done, he's done all of that, all of that. Then he's done what? What we have to come, the glory of the rapture of the church, the glory of the last days, the glory of living on the earth for a thousand years uninhibited by death. Do you think of these things? See, the reason I say that is because he gives you the ability to have a whole new way of thinking or lifestyle because of that blood. 
It cleansed our conscience. That word conscience is not a good translation. Conscience is our what? It is literally our life, our life that we live, our lifestyle. So not by the blood of bulls and goats. But it began in that garden where he began to pray. And, and we've got doctors here. That I've heard, I heard a doctor actually get up and teach on the phenomenon of, of human stress that could be so stressful that it can cause capillaries and little veins around your, especially around your eyes to burst and blood to literally run into your eyes. That began in the garden. He's suffering. He's suffering. He is shedding his blood. Shedding his blood. Then, then what happened? Then he was bruised. They, they beat him. They pulled his beard out. They, they, they punched him. They blinded him. So he's beginning to take the, 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 those bruisings for our iniquity begin to come upon him. So again, uh, his blood was being shed, but it was inward, inward blood. The bruises were taking, happening upon him. Second thing, excuse me, the third thing is they grabbed that, that cat of nine tails and they, they knew just how to stretch you. They'd stretch you up where you stood on the balls of your feet, which made the back muscles Tighten and strengthen. And that, that, they called him a Roman lictor is what it was called because he, he applied the licks, amen? And he knew just how to take that. They said it was between about seven to nine feet depending on, on the preference, preference of, the, of the man that was using it because of his height. And he could take that thing and skillfully wrap it around the body and embed into the body the glass and the, and the metal and literally just rip, just like he would peel a grape or peel an apple, just rip the skin off of it. 39 times he took that. His blood ran down his back onto the floor. And they laid him on that cross. Well, they did that. They took a crown of thorns. They placed it on his head. They pushed it down so the thorns dug into his brow. The blood ran down his face. The Bible says when man fell upon the earth, that thorns began to grow. God took the entire form of the fall in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus allowed that crown to be put upon his head, he was saying, I'm taking the fall. I'm taking the entire, the fall of man in its entirety. They pressed it down upon his head. That was the fourth time. Then they put his hands out. And they drove nails in his hands. They were expert at this. This, this just wasn't some, you know, desert gorilla. These were expert, expert executioners that worked in a special group of soldiers there for Pontius Pilate. They had executed thousands upon the cross. They knew how to do it. And Jesus' death was not the death of most common criminals because they were not nailed. They were tied and died a death of asphyxiation. But Jesus received the punishment of Barabbas who was up for murder and insurrection. And because of his crime of murder and insurrection, murderers were nailed to the cross. So they nailed his hands. The blood flowed. And they nailed his feet, and the blood flows. That was the sixth and seventh shedding of the blood. Then he hung on that cross in all of his agony. There's no way the human mind can conceive of the price paid in those three short hours upon that cross as Jesus accumulated every sin, every perverse idea, thought, every action, not of his own, yours and mine. That's the love of God in manifestation. And his flesh burned on his body like fire. They say that's what happens when you begin to lose oxygen 
as you suffocate. He's not only suffocating, he's also bleeding to death. He's not only bleeding to death and suffocating, he's taking every disease, polio, you name every disease. He's got it. It's, 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 it's manifesting upon his body. Isaiah 52 says his body was so marred, so twisted and so distorted, you could not recognize it was a human being hanging upon him. As the sun began to set, that day was so awesome. The, the darkness, the earthquake, the all that was going on. As that day began to close down, they recognized that the two thieves on either side were still alive, so they broke their legs. That was traditionally what they do, because once your legs are broke, you can't pull up or pull down. You just suffocate. They came by Jesus, thought he was dead. But in order to make sure, they took a Roman battle spear, which has a head that's about nine inches long, and the blade is wide. And they, what they do on those things is they create what they call blood streams or blood, uh, blood channels, so that when you stab something and pull it back out, it creates a channel for blood to flow. So they stuck it at such an angle up into his into his body right up under the rib cage and pierced the heart sack and outflowed the blood and the water. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he gave up the ghost on the cross. Seven times he shed his blood, which is the number of God. I don't know how they got the blood gathered up, but they did. I bet you there was a host of angels that were given to do that. But can you imagine? We've just been given what the Word says and what the Spirit reveals. But the weight of it literally reverberates throughout eternity. There's no time limit on it. There's no geographical limit on it. And the greatest, this is, this, if this doesn't make you shout, you just need to go get saved. The greatest recipients of all of that power is us. And if it ever dawns on you that God has invested the greatness of himself in you for the purpose of the reproduction of his personality in the earth and his purpose, then you begin to realize, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I am serving and I have given my life to somebody who loves me so much. He didn't just atone for what I have done. He has remitted, removed everything by that, by that shedding and offering of the blood. I really am a brand new person. I really am a brand new creature. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to put that in my body. I don't want to listen to those songs. I'm going to see that. I don't want to do that. It's not a legalism. It's a, it's, a, it's a life unknown to you before you began to live this life. And if you understand what goes against the grain of that, it's not who you are. Now let me say that again. No matter what life or lifestyle you've, I entered into the lifestyle of a criminal and a drug addict. But when I got back to God, I found out that's not, that's not who I was. All of the perversion of life and all that, that's not who I was. When I begin to find out who I was and why I was who I was, I was like, no wonder you need to live holy. No wonder you need to live righteous. No wonder you live, need to live according to the plan and the purpose of this being that loved me so much that he rescued me from eternal separation from him so that I could live in his life, his life and his power and his truth throughout eternity. 
Not just a couple of weeks of the year, but throughout eternity. Not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, his own blood, blood he possessed, by his own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now next week we'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. Well, pastor, why did you talk about the blood when you're going to keep expounding on the, on the, because if you don't understand why the spirit lives in you, how can you probe the depths of its power in your life if you don't have an understanding of the blood cleansing the temple? But honey, the blood has cleansed the temple. I said the blood has cleansed the temple. I said the blood has cleansed the temple. So you, get, you, need to, you need to get into some of those closets of the soul and those closets of the flesh and start cleaning them out. That's what the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is prop for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness so the man and woman of God may be what? Mature and perfectly furnished. Here's God. He's got all these moving vans of stuff He wants to move into your life. But He doesn't move out. You have to move it out. And everything you're willing to move out, he's willing to move something in 10 times. Well, Pastor, I just got to have this weed. No, you don't. He's got something 10 times. Well, I got to have my liquor. No, you don't. He's got something 10 times. Well, I got to have me a man. I got to have me a woman. No, you don't. You don't need a man or a woman. You need Jesus. It's about time somebody told you that. Amen? Because you ain't doing no good with the ones you had. Amen? Where'd that come from? Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Before I get in trouble here, amen? Thank you, Father, for your glory and your righteousness in our lives. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord most high. Holy is our God. Righteous is our God. Mighty is our God. Holy is our Lord. Oh, we, we cry holy. Holy, holy. And Father, we recognize there's no holiness that we can produce for ourselves. There's no sanctification unique to the human family. There's no sanctification unique to religion or tradition. Only the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness, reveals unto us the greatness of the love of our Heavenly Father, heals our broken bodies, restores our minds so that we think soberly in a day of insanity in which we live. Raises up a standard of the provision of God in our life. And no matter what we face, we recognize and realize that He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Imparts great grace for His hand is strong upon us. Gives us mercy where we make mistakes and is always willing to receive us back after we've made mistakes. Thank you, Father. Let's lift our hands and thank Him for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. You must decide what you're going to do with the blood of Jesus because it was shed for you. For you. Everybody say, for me. It begins with its beckon and call in which the gospel goes forth, the word of God. Men and women's hearts are convicted. 
you realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. If you respond to that, salvation is yours through the simple act of believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. The blood of Jesus already offered is then applied to your life and your life is cleansed. Every sin you've ever committed, every, every motivation to sin, every reason for sin is done away with. Or you're here and you're like me. I responded to that blood when I was a young child at age six, lived, lived saved and filled with the Holy Ghost for many years, but got away from God. When I got away from God, I returned as a prodigal son to the Father's house. When I did that, I went according to Scripture, 1 John, and I asked my Heavenly Father for forgiveness for 13 years of rebellion against Him. I asked Him forgiveness for the addictions and the perverse lifestyle I had lived. I asked Him for, you say, why were you specific? Because it was specific to me. I asked him for forgiveness for the drugs and the addictions. I asked him for forgiveness for the dishonor that I had given to my parents, to society, to law itself, and that I had given to the pastors that had raised me so lovingly. For everything I could think of that disappointed God, I said, Father, I thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and unrighteousness. I got right in front of a television set listening to Billy Graham. I went to church the next Sunday when the pastor gave the altar call. I went up publicly and got right with God. The Spirit of God fell on me in that altar. The First Assembly of God at 43rd Street in Q here in Galveston filled me full of the Holy Ghost. I've been full ever since. Stay full. Everybody say stay full. If you're here today, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Number one, I invite you but I also caution you, the days are grow, growing short. You need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Secondly, maybe you served God and were saved, but you made a mistake. You slipped. You fell away. You broke fellowship. But God's drawing your heart back. He wants you as His very own. But you have to make a decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to sit here? Or am I, am I, am I going to respond to what I've heard today? And am I, am I going to allow that blood to cleanse me, to do its work, to walk out of here today knowing that I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus? So if you're here today, either one of those two altar calls, say, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. Please pray with me. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Anybody else? One hand, God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on, don't be afraid or ashamed. You can put your hand down once you raise it. Anyone else? Quickly. I know God's dealing with some hearts here. Anyone else? You say, that's me. Well, Pastor, I don't want anybody to know I made a mistake. Well, they'll find out sooner or later. Might as well let people know among friends, friends and family, amen? Your church family. God's dealing with some, some hearts right now, so I'm not going to be in a real hurry. If that's you, if that's you, you need to be right with God. Lift your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Quickly. Anyone else? Quickly. Praise God. Praise God. Well, thank God for the one that raised your hand. Sweetheart, can we pray with you? Then lift your hands. Come on down. Let's pray with you. Come on. Give her a hand clap as she comes. Come on. Stand on your feet. Give her a hand clap as she comes. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on. Don't patty cake. Give her a hand clap. We thank God. We thank God. Now, just stand right here. You can, you can look this way so you don't have to look at all those people. There you go. <laughs> I can see you crying already. As though tears of repentance. Isn't that good? It feels so good to get right with God, doesn't it? 
Amen. Now, stand right there for a moment, sweetie. Come stand behind her. Praise God. Come, just come stand behind her. She's just, God's just blessing her right there. I'm going to speak real quick. You that watch by, by, by internet, listen. If you're not right with God, get right with God today. Salvation is too precious, too costly. Time is too short. Jesus is too real. The devil's going nuts. Why would you not live for God? Why would you? So as we pray the prayer with our sister today, you pray that prayer right there. And if there's people around you, tell them, I'm right with God. If not, find somebody. Tell them, call us. We'll rejoice with you. Hallelujah. Praise God. What's your name, sweetie? Rebecca. Rebecca. Let's pray with Rebecca. We're going to pray a prayer out loud. And we're going to ask you to pray that same prayer so that you hear your own ears, hear what your voice is saying. Amen? Now, once we've prayed it, we're going to settle it. Amen. We're right with God. Amen. We're going to be right. Amen. We're going to stay right. Amen. Amen. Amen? Everybody ready? Here we go. Out loud. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father right, now, right now, openly and publicly, openly and publicly I, confess I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. Thank you you Father. sent your son Jesus, your son, your son. born of a virgin, born lived a sinless life, a sinless died, on the cross, died on the cross, rose from the dead, from did, the it dead. did it all for I me. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, areas of my life in which I have disappointed you. I've slipped. I've made mistakes. Today, publicly, I appropriate the blood of Jesus. I am cleansed. I am forgiven. I am whole in Jesus' name. I am right. I will stay right in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. I mean, believe her. Uh, we believe you. Amen. Give her a hug. Amen. Now, our sisters have got some books and stuff they want to bless you with. Give her a hand clap. Amen. Hallelujah. That was good. I like that. Praise God. Praise God. God is so good. Amen. Now, don't forget, I'll tell you as I told the crowd on Wednesday night, we're studying, we're doing an in-depth study of the subject of redemption. Get you, I know people are technical, you can type on an iPad or whatever, but if not, if you're like me, if you're old school, you take notes, bring you a notebook. Write the date, write redemption on top and make that your redemptive. How many have a redemptive notebook? Well, good, I got the right crowd. Every one of you need one. That's one of the first things when I moved in with Leah, when we, after we got married, we moved into our little house. We were putting stuff up, and I noted one of the first, I never told you this, I saw your redemptive notebook where everything about who you were in Christ and everything was all written down, all documented. If you don't have one of those, you need one. You say, why? It's your family album. Come on, Wednesday night, we'll work on you. Amen. Father, thank you for today, for your grace upon our church. As we pray our prayer of dismissal, as is our tradition, we claim Psalms 91. Not only those that are seated in the auditorium, but all our loved ones, friends, many that are traveling. Lord, our, our, our friends and family watching by the internet, we declare no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. And we thank you, Father, in our travels, the highways, airways, seaways, or railways, or in our righteous labor. Thank you, Father, we are protected. No trauma no acts of terror, accidents. We bind it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We have authority. 
devil, we cancel your plans, purposes, and we declare if you pursue us, you're not going to find anything you like. Father, we thank you for a witness in our spirit. Let this whole week afford us opportunities to be a blessing to people, a problem to, to the devil, an answer to somebody's prayers. And Father, thank you, Lord, wherever we go, we dispel fear and we dispel darkness. Let people see that. Let people know that. We're, we're not just energetic people. We're anointed people by the life and power of God. Thank you for it, Lord. Lord, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave walking as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, whoo, hallelujah, we are covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.